Namaste. Hi, you're listening to Autism on Shift, the podcast where we talk to other autistic folks. This is Adam. This is Thora. Join us. That is all. That is all. Today we're talking to Jennifer DeCesar, who is a running coach. Tell us about being a running coach, Jennifer. And welcome. Yeah, hi. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, being a running coach. Um, narrow it down. Like, that's a really big question. <laughs> well, how'd you get into it in the first place? I mean, is it something you've, how long have you done this? Um, I've been a coach in the fitness world in some form or another for going on eight years now. Okay. I just recently became certified to be a running coach Very in the cool. last couple of months. Okay. Awesome. But I've been running since college. Okay. So you started off doing your own running. Mm-hmm. What did you, what did, what was your event? Did you have like a particular one? I'm just curious. Um, I'm an ultra distance runner, so okay. I run distances greater than the marathon. Fancy. Wow. It's like, I don't want to just do marathons. I just want to be a little bit better than that guy. <laughs> I'm going to go all the way. <laughs> I've never actually raced a marathon. I have one scheduled for this May COVID pending, but. We should do better because I used to do track <laughs> and like I would do the 400, but my coach would have me do like the 1500. That's why I ran and ran and ran. So I'd be ready and then I could just sprint the 400. Is that similar to what you do with the like the longer distances and then you do something shorter? Do you no. Play? No. Okay. I'm sorry. It's very different. <laughs> I made that up. <laughs> just... It's so different because, well, most ultra distances are on trails. Okay. And I primarily am a trail runner. I hate road running, actually. So the fact that I'm running a road marathon really just doesn't make sense to me. But <laughs> um, it's just a totally different approach to training and everything than it is in the trail world. We spend a lot of time walking okay. in ultra distances. Interesting. Um, walking is totally acceptable when you're running 50 plus miles. Oh, yes. Wow. You walk a lot. 50 plus miles. <laughs> wow. Okay, so when you're when you're training somebody, yes. Um, how? I mean, do you train people in ultra distance, or you just train anybody running whatever they enjoy? I specialize in trail and ultra distances. Nice. So I do have a couple clients who just run trails and are not necessarily ultra distances, but they only run trail. And then uh, most of my clients are ultra distances or looking to get into ultra distances. Very cool. Is and there a I time? Only train, com- oh, I'm sorry. Oh, say I only train women. Oh, cool. Is there a reason for that? Because men suck. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm just <laughs> I mean, yeah, in a sense, you kind of do. Um, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> she called you out. Hey, guess what? I'm. I, what have we always said in our relationship? I'm more like the female. You're like more like the male. So I guess she's talking to you. <laughs> Actually, it's a biological thing, so it really isn't. Damn it. <laughs> uh, the biology of women in running is very different from men, and okay. there's a whole lot that more that needs to go into women than men that men just don't get. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, but you don't have a uterus. I don't. Oh, I can see how that is a factor. Yeah. It never occurred to me because I don't run. <laughs> <laughs> So it changes a lot of things. There's hormones to take into consideration. There's the 
differences in anatomy um, can actually seriously affect running style and training. Um, there's the whole pre-postpartum aspect of it as, you know, not, not everybody's a mom, but a good majority of us are, you know, at some point or become a mom. And there's that whole aspect of keeping a woman healthy around all of that. Wow. So it's, I mean, that's pretty in depth then. Mm-hmm. So where did you get, uh, where did you do your training your, to get your certificate? That sort of, you know, that stuff, that part aspect of it. Yeah. So for the running coaching, I am certified through the United Endurance Coaching Academy. Okay. I'm sorry, United Endurance Sports Coaching Academy. I remember the, the acronym is USCA. Okay. Much easier to remember than the full name. <laughs> um, so I'm double certified in just their general run coaching. And then I was their first female to be certified under their ultra running coaching that launched just this January. Okay. Nice. Awesome. Good for um, you. Thank you. <laughs> and then I also have a background. Um, I went to school for science. So I have a degree in chemistry with a history in biology and biochem. Wow. And then I am certified through the National Academy of Sports Medicine in personal training and the American Sports and Fitness Association as a personal trainer and a sports nutritionist as well. Boy, you didn't really do much with your life so far. <laughs> That's awesome. I can make you feel really bad. I graduated college at 19. That is wow. awesome. Good for you. <laughs> I'm impressed. Nice. Did you start college early or did you just run through it? A little bit I'm of sorry. both. Oh, that was such a bad plan. I'm but so I'm- sorry. <laughs> Uh, a little bit of both. I never ran until college. So, you know, that kind of just makes the pen a little more funny. <laughs> <laughs> I graduated high school at 16. Okay. And then I went into college with the intent to slow down and take like five years to finish my degree. And then, you know, you're walking into your advisor's office and they're like, you're done next semester. And you kind of look at them like, no, I wanted five years. And they're like, no, you're done. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm done next year. <laughs> Wow. So that's just kind of happened. That's really cool. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to I wanted to kind of uh swing back around. I wanted to ask if there's a time component to ultra distance. What do you mean? Like like with a marathon, right? Like you run a, a very specific distance and that distance is like you 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 meet that distance at a time and then you're like and forgive me for sounding completely ignorant because I totally am. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. So um, I'll try to break this down and make it a little easier to understand. So I think what you're trying to say is that for, say, a marathon distance. Um, so, for example, my marathon, I'm hoping to do what's called Boston qualifying. So there's the Boston Marathon, which pretty much everybody's at least heard of. Yeah. And in order to race the Boston qualif- the Boston Marathon, you have to have a qualifying race time. So for me to qualify to even try to run the Boston Marathon, I need a three-hour and 30-minute marathon or faster. Okay. So that's kind of the time frame for a marathon, for an example. Um, Obviously, there's plenty of people who run it slower and way faster than that. (laughs) Okay. And ultra run is like another category of time. When we talk like... Most 50 milers have um, somewhere between a 12 to 16 hour cutoff, depending on the race and the course. 
Um, and then like my hundred miler from last fall had a 36 hour cutoff. And then they kind of backtrack it. So like 36 hours is a cutoff to the finish line, but then there's aid stations or like stops to get food and water and help with first aid stuff in between. And on at least like usually the second half of the aid stations, they'll have a cutoff time that correlates with that final cutoff time for the end of the race. Okay. And you need to be under those cutoffs the entire time to be allowed to finish or they will pull you from the race and not let you cross the finish line for safety wow. reasons. For safety reasons. Uh, explain that <laughs> if you don't mind. Um, when you're out running for a really, really long time, a lot of things happen, including... Um, a lot of physiological things like not eating enough, not drinking enough, getting your electrolytes imbalanced, and then come things like sleep deprivation and hallucinations. Um, it can go, you know, broken legs. Um, someone wow. just <laughs> won a race with a broken nose down in Texas a couple weeks ago. So wow. <laughs> um, it, they get... When we're talking ultra races, especially up in the mountains, they get pretty serious. And a lot of the mountain races are you're dealing not just with like the fact that you're running in the mountains, but like with you're running in the mountains, you also have elements. So you have heat, you have cold, you have the fact that it's probably going to rain, snow, hail. I don't care if it's August, it might snow on you. <laughs> um, wow. Thunderstorms, you have the technical terrain, you have wildlife to deal with, like the wildlife doesn't just not show up because you're running a race. <laughs> There's plenty of images out there of like bears chasing runners in the middle of a race. It's kind of funny. Wow. That'll get you to the front. <laughs> I saw a cow on my last race, you know. Just hanging out. <laughs> okay. Ran through some ranch land, saw a cow. You're like, moo. Tell me you mooed at it because that's the rule. I did. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's so awesome. It's a universal truth. Yeah, you gotta moo at the cow. You know, all the cows in the world are like, we hate that when you moo at us. You know? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Although cows are really sweet animals. I mean, I could go on like this totally long rant. I used to live on a ranch and we had cows and, you know, I've been licked from head to toe by a cow. That's funny. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like one big lick though, right? I mean, so. <laughs> it's about like a hundred. Okay. <laughs> in one, it was in one sitting. Oh, well. <laughs> things kids do i guess <laughs> i was definitely an adult but the cow was a kid <laughs> oh well then he was cute it makes sense yeah he needed some love i was you know petting and he cows like scratches too nice i saw a cow yeah. being born once That's my cool. great uncle had a farm in queen creek and we would go every week to get fresh milk oh yeah the cream off the top that's the yeah. best milk mm -hmm. yes Raw, unprocessed, right from the cow. So yes. good. Best milk ever. Yeah. <laughs> I do miss that milk. That was my favorite thing about living on the farm. <laughs> <laughs> that and the broccoli. It's the best freaking taste in broccoli I've ever had. Uh, oh, I am. Then. Yes, I am super picky about broccoli. I broccoli that's grown in cow manure is delicious. Is it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that must I believe be. you. It sounds, it sounds so funny much to say. flavor. <laughs> like, broccoli from the grocery store is just kind of like, green water yeah but like this actually had like flavor to it like you didn't need to season it it was good wow broccoli like it didn't need seasoning to be edible good nice. i want to hear i, hear I your... am i am the pickiest person on the planet <laughs> when it comes to broccoli i will oh it's true i i there is one brand 
the, oh, frozen broccoli, right? Like I don't have any farms near me to go get broccoli regularly. So I, I get it frozen and there's only one brand that works. And I eat it every day, every single day. I have the <laughs> autistic same food thing. Like that's mm-hmm. just what I do. And it has to be that. And if they're out, I will go store to store to store to store and I will buy up all of their bags of the same broccoli. Yep. We have an extra freezer. I think there's probably 10 bags of broccoli because it's it's like the one that we go to for some reason for the last like three times they're like, oh, we're out. And so now we have like 10 backup bags in our in our like big freezer in our yeah. garage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> you kind of bring up something that, like, is funny, um, like, with autism and running. Um, I actually had a friend of mine, when he found out that I was autistic and had ADHD, he's like, oh, that's why you're such a good runner. <laughs> and it's actually kind of, like, in a good way, but yeah. hilarious. Because it's like, like, there's some, like, unwritten rules when you're a runner, especially a distance runner. Like, when they stop making your favorite pair of shoes, you buy all the pairs of shoes left in your size. We were literally just talking about this yesterday. I was talking about this a pair of Adidas shoes. Go ahead. Or like, I have four of the same water bottle. Yeah. Like, you have to have duplicates because things break, things ruin. Like, you're going to be in the middle of the race and you need to swap your shoes out. Uh, well, I want the exact same. I don't want to put on a different shoe. Yeah. I want to put the same shoe on, just fresh. Um, same with socks. And so, yeah. Um, and then there's the whole eating factor especially around racing like one of the biggest things is like well when you run an ultra distance you need a real breakfast like hearty breakfast like you're gonna be out there on your feet all day long yeah and yeah we eat the same thing most of us do there's a few weirdos out there but uh, (laughs) (laughs) like you gotta have a trusted breakfast that you know you can go to this breakfast every single time no matter what and you're gonna be able to run and not puke yeah so what That's what is important. what is the magical know, same gonna... <laughs> food breakfast? Uh, for me, yeah, um, I like muesli with cashew yogurt, chocolate chips, and apple. Nice. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. It is. It's a little bit of dessert scattered into. Yeah. Yeah. Makes it that much better. Yeah. I think dessert should I'm be jealous. every meal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do. But yes, I... I totally eat chocolate for breakfast. Nice. Okay. Chocolate pancakes. Yeah, I do that when we go, like, you know, vacation. We're like, yeah, throw some chocolate chips in that pancake or whatever. <laughs> why not? Uh, yeah, no reason why not. Go ahead. You wanted to tell, tell her? No? no, I was just I was just going to ask. Um, you did mention um, a background at some point or certification at some point in the nutrition part of this all. Oh, yeah. Yes. So um, can I ask you to kind of uh, uh, elaborate on that? Because I'm fascinated about what nutrition is required for someone who runs for such a long time. (laughs) Um, The number one challenge, especially for females, is to not eat enough. Um, We just, society has crammed in us so much. You're supposed to be skinny and blah, blah, blah. And you have to eat, you know, restricted diets. And it's like, would you please just go have the damn pizza? <laughs> um, like, you want a burger? You're done running. You just ran 20 miles and you're craving a burger. You, you probably need a burger. Yep. Go have a burger. Um, <laughs> Body usually tells you what's up. Yeah. Uh, so like that's the number one challenge I see in women is that they just flat out don't eat enough. Myself included. I struggle with that. Not going to lie. Um, and then like, I mean, yeah, you want to eat a well-balanced diet get all your nutrients, fruits, veggies, etc. But that only matters like on your regular days. <laughs> so on long training run days, you know, you're gonna be out there for 20 plus miles training. 
or on an actual race day, that kind of all goes out the window. You have your set breakfast. You may or may not have a set I'm done racing meal. Um, But when you're actually out there running really long distances, a lot of times your food needs and wants change in the middle of your run. Even if it's something you've done over and over and over again, like you could have something that like, oh, I've, I've eaten this on every single run for the last 20 training runs. And then you're 17 miles in. You're like, that sounds disgusting. (laughs) Oh no. Um, So then the rule kind of becomes when you're actually like in a super long training run or an actual event, the goal switches over to just get in enough calories that you can keep down without getting sick. Um, so a lot of times like we eat Oreos and Coke and bacon and cheeseburgers and tortillas and quesadillas and some of us eat fruit and other stuff in the middle of like, that's what we eat during a race. Wow. Um, and ultras a lot, depending on the race, like they will actually like have different themed aid stations sometimes. It's like you'll have your bacon aid station. It'll have like 17 different ways to serve bacon. Or you'll have your waffle aid station where they will literally be making fresh waffles for you with maple syrup. And like, wow. this, no joke. This happens during our races. And wow. um, a lot of people call, especially like the 100 mile distance, it's not a 100 mile race. It's a 100 mile eating contest. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could get in on a races just for like the food, you know. Like, oh, <laughs> I love food. I will not run 100 miles for food. <laughs> I can see 20 I mean, miles, but 100 miles is a long... I won't run two miles for any kind of food. Not me, not you. Oh. <laughs> my, my, my normal work week is about like 140,000 steps, but it's nowhere near the kind of, you know... Oh, yeah. Your last work week was over two marathons in five days. Yeah, but it's not like one consistent run. You know, I do work 12-hour yeah. shifts, but still, it's not the same. No. But it's I, not 100 no. miles. But for food. And it's not on technical terrain and gaining. Oh, no, 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 know, no. 20-plus thousand feet of vertical gain. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Nope. nope, nowhere close. <laughs> So, so terrain, that brings up an interesting question. How do you train for something that, I mean, that sounds like if you're running, that sounds dangerous. How do you, how do you yes no. factor that in? Um, you train. Uh, <laughs> sure. <it's>, okay. <laughs> one of the things, <laughs> um, you know, the whole practice makes perfect. Well, practice definitely doesn't make perfect, but practice definitely helps. Um, <laughs> we always came up with uh, practice promises improvement. Yeah. I like that one. Um, that's. I, I kind of almost need to write that down. Um, to it. We don't like practice make perfect. <laughs> Mine's more alliterative, though. Oh, okay. Practice, Sorry to interrupt you. Practice promises progress. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Practice promises. What was it? Progress. Ooh, I like that. I really like that. I'm going to have to steal that. Right on. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so terrain is so variable and depending on who you are and what you're racing, it can be really difficult. So usually for ultras, I at least try to recommend that somebody starts with something local because it's going to be more likely that something local is something that they can train for the terrain. Okay. Um, the more experienced you get, the more you can just bounce around different terrains and have the terrain itself have less of an impact on your running or your body. So like, if I'm running something that's super rocky, it can turn over and translate to something that's tree rooted. Because your general concept is you pick up your feet. You okay. know, 
tripping on a rock and tripping on a tree root are pretty similar. They're not identical. Like one's a little bit softer ground, one's harder ground always. But the concept of picking up your feet and like learning how to dash lines in in between the terrain is pretty much the same overall. So again, it's just practice. The more you can get out on terrain similar to your race, the better. But a lot of people don't have that opportunity, especially if they're traveling for their race. So then it comes down to, okay, well, what can I get that's similar? Or are there certain factors I can change in a sense to help me pretend practice? It's like if you're heat training for a race, but you live somewhere it's really cold, like how many layers can you throw on to run? Wow. To act like it's hot. Interesting. Um, type thing. So, and like terrain is usually viewed as kind of just the ground so to speak, in running. Um, so then there's also all the other environmental factors of the weather and the temperature and the humidity. You know, I'm in Colorado. It's pretty dry. This year, our biggest challenge was all the fires. The air was extremely smoky and unhealthy to be out pretty much at all for a good majority of the year. And that made, you know, running difficult. So like things that I did, like, okay, to cross train for vertical challenging in a race instead of out there actually running up a mountain because it's literally on fire. I am in my basement on a treadmill with a really heavy pack on my back. There you go. Just power hiking. Um, cause it kind of, you could tire your muscles out faster that way. Um, was the pack on your back, your kid though? No, not on the treadmill. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if it was out in the mountains, totally. I backpacked with him 55 miles. This nice. Year. Wow. Um, in one go. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. Awesome. I do a lot of backpacking as personal cross training, um, hiking, power hiking, anything with a heavy pack on your back is great cross training for ultras. Right on. So when you're working with an actual client, mm-hmm. um, I- I'm going to assume if you, if you specialize in ultras, they have running experience, right? Like y- they don't come to Usually. you like I would. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, there's a, a lot of people out there who they hear something about the ultra world. They don't really know anything about the ultra world and they think they want to go run the ultra world. And it's like, well, what's the longest you've run? And they're like, maybe two miles. I'm like, oh, what? We can go straight to the ultra distance, but it's not going to happen this year safely. Yeah. Like, if the longest you've ever run is two miles. Like, are there people out there who could do it? Yes. Is it recommended? No. Yeah. I mean, if a bear was chasing me, maybe. But. <laughs> uh, well, for the most part, bears really won't chase you. So. Oh, good. Then I'm safe. <laughs> I don't have to run. <laughs> Unless you're messing with their babies, you know. Yeah. But they're so um, cute. But yeah, there's a, there are a handful of people who try to jump straight into ultras. And usually the recommendation is, why don't you just try trail running in general first? Um, especially if you've never run trails, because a majority of ultra running is trails. Um, there are definitely road ultras out there, but more are trails than not. <laughs> so are there specific trails? Like there are trails only for ultra running or are they just like, you know, public land trails that just get used that way? Most of the time they're public land trails. Sometimes they get special permits to use private land as well, depending on the race. Um, so a lot of them are usually in forest service land of some sort and require Just like any event that would happen in Forest Service land, you have to get permits for any event over a certain number of people. And then 
most races, this is like the longer they get, the more work there is for a race director basically is to, you have to have permits for all the different land you're going to cross. So like a hundred mile can sometimes cross over multiple different like jurisdictions yeah. of forest land or private land, <laughs> in which case you have to get special permission. Um, you have to like coordinate with local authorities for security, safety, like that kind of stuff. You have to, especially here in Colorado, um, most races are required to coordinate with search and rescue. Um, Makes sense. There's been a lot of races where search and rescue is needed. Um, and like having medical personnel on site is usually a requirement for a county to grant the permits okay. in the first place. So like, wow. there's a lot of other factors. I'm not a race director, so I'm sure I'm missing some of it. That's funny. I was going <laughs> to actually ask it. you, would would you ever want to go that direction? Like eventually to do like run the events and kind of things? Or is that not even um, something you'd like? Just curious. I don't know. Maybe. Right on. I do volunteer at a lot of them and they're really fun to work. You meet so many different people and it's just like this crazy, awesome group of weirdos who all like like you can have people from all walks of life but we all have the one thing in common is that we like to run crazy yeah. ass distances <laughs> in the mountains <laughs> like, nice so it's kind of a, a really unique community in that sense and yeah so with everything that goes into one of these who pays for all that how does that work um it's a conglomeration um all races most races they have a race entry fee which is paid by the racer or sometimes the racer's sponsor, but that's like if you're a pro. Okay. Um, so you are going to pay the fee to race, which will cover aspects of it. Races usually partner with different companies to pitch in on things. So there's different companies that make running food. There's different companies that make running products and they will, different races will partner with different companies to get support whether it's funding support or actually providing some of the food or volunteers, um, a good chunk of the people who actually work a race are actually all volunteers. Right on. And then, especially as you get into higher distances, most races actually have a volunteer requirement or they won't let you run unless you've actually volunteered in the last year. Okay. And you have to wow. have it like signed off um, to kind of keep the circle going, yeah. <laughs> basically. How, how do you, like, how do you market yourself? Like, I mean, you said people find you and don't necessarily know. I guess I'm wondering, like, how do people find you? Are, do you, are you marketing yourself or is that, how does I'm that work? I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> this is my weakness. Yes. Um, I don't like marketing. It's not what I'm in this for. I'm not in this to market. I'm in this to coach and run. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't like marketing. That being said, um, so far, all of my clients have actually come to me via some, like, I've never, like, reached out to somebody and been like, hey, you want to come work with me? And they said yes. Like, yeah. that's, I haven't done any of that. Um, so, like, a word of mouth kind of thing? So, kind of like a word of mouth. I've got a couple clients, like, we're in, there's a lot of groups on Facebook. And right. kind of like how Thora found me is I, um, you know, talk in different running groups and you know got brought up that i'm a coach on somebody's post and somebody else saw that comment on that post and reach out to me like hey i saw you're a coach on this size and like want to talk to you and then down the line we go nice nice right is it something That's, you want to grow though it is um i want to grow it but not a ton yet okay um so i know that sounds kind of weird but like i want to keep it more small and personal so that I can actually 
work like with my client, not just hand them a piece of paper and send them on their way. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Right. So I don't want a ton of clients yeah. because I want to be able to keep it personal. I want to be able to build that relationship. And I am a full-time mom. I have that job. My son is with me full-time all the time. Right now, I've kind of got the side benefit of COVID making dad work at home. But outside of that, normally he would not be home. So I have to kind of keep that in mind as I grow is that I am also a full-time mom. That's fair. Let's bring in um, the autistic component here. Okay. Um, let's first talk about what you know, what parts of autism that you have to overcome in order to do what you do. Okay. Well, I think my biggest challenge is partially that I'm both autism and ADHD um, because I can hyper-focus and squirrel at the same time. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's a good way to put that. I like that. <laughs> so um, an example for myself from this summer, which it wasn't work-related, but well, it's still work-related actually. I was getting ready for a backpacking trip with my son. Okay. And which is still work-related in my mind. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. I was focused on getting the sleeping system sorted out because I was trying to figure out something new. It was going to be colder than I normally go. And I was like trying to like spend some extra time focusing just on the sleeping system. And in the I'm focused and all of my brain is still focused on the whole backpacking trip. But there's still the squirrel in the back of my head going... Don't forget about food. Don't forget about this clothes. Don't forget you need socks. Don't forget about that. <laughs> like, shut up. I am trying to focus on one thing at a time. He's like, well, we're focusing on the whole backpacking trip. Isn't that one thing at a time? <laughs> I said, shut up. You shut up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that argument happens a lot in my head. So, like, um, sometimes when I'm working on a client's plan, I will be, like, working on say like writing out the strength component of like cross training for them. And then something will pop into my head and be like, Oh, they need to do this hill repeat or don't forget to have them run this thing. Or don't forget to write down this nutrition info. And it's just like, it's all related. And I'm still focused in on that one client's plan, but I'm still squirreling at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so do you That's... just have like, do you just have like an extra arm making notes <laughs> while you're <laughs> <laughs> um, I have about 17 notebooks. Here. <laughs> nice. That's actually a great idea. In the notebooks. <laughs> um, I found this app called Google Keep because I use the Google Workspace mm, so to my business. And I figured out you could like take pictures and put them in a file within the notes app. And I'm like, oh, boom. There's oh. So like I can scribble one client's information in seven different notebooks and then put them together instead of I'm not. Yep. You can do seven different notebooks. Color coordinate, label. I love. Yes. We love both. Keep. Yeah. yeah. Nope. But it, you know, it helps. Like, I will definitely write stuff down on seven different notebooks and be like, "Crap, how do I put this all in one without rewriting it?" Yeah. And yeah. That's that has so far been my solution. Nice. I love. So on the on the uh, opposite spectrum, there, uh, what helps you? You know, with or having autism, like what helps you, how does that help you like get some of those things completed, which I think you guess you probably said the hyper-focus maybe. Yeah, I'm really good at hyper-focusing. I just also scroll at the same time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I scroll within my hyper-focus. Um, I love that that's a verb now, by the way. Scroll, scroll being a verb. Yeah, totally. yeah. And we, and it's everybody gets totally it. Yeah. Yes. 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 Um, it's also become my nickname. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> have a lot of nicknames. <laughs> like seven that are adults <laughs> not including my kid ones um anyway <laughs> so 
girl. (laughs) 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 Oh, what helps me focus? I try to keep to-do lists. Okay. With deadlines. Doesn't always work. (laughs) You know, we we noticed just putting things on the calendar, like, and having an idea that we're going to do something... But we put like, you know, if it's going to take a half hour, we say sometime between one and four, but it's on the calendar and we don't check it off until it's like we take it on. So, yeah. So something like that I kind of do. Um, I have cool. like a, I found an old steno notebook. In my drawer. Okay. Um, so the two columns, I'm using one column as a to-do list and one column as a deadline and then I I just like scratch that. it off when it's done. I'm like, all right, steno notebook still valid. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Um, I have a whiteboard. Well, right now I have a poster board, which is being replaced by a whiteboard. Okay. <laughs> um, and then I'm very much so like a calendar person. I've got like my personal running calendar over here. And then I've got like file. I'm like, just, I'm a little bit OCD there too. Um, which is good because I can find everything. <laughs> um, if I can't find something, there's like a super problem. Um, Right. Yeah. It's like everything has its file and its spot, and if it's not in its spot, I I lose my phone a lot. <laughs> <laughs> my husband threatened to get me a beacon for my phone for my birthday, and then when he didn't get me one, I was actually really disappointed. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I was like, I thought you were gonna get me a damn beacon for my phone. <laughs> but that's it. Like, I think so. The other things too that help. Um, and I'm actually pulling this out of my friend's conversation with me once he found out. He's like, well, that explains so much about you. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, you can like memorize an entire trail course after looking at it for like three seconds. And then, you know, the course off the top of your head for like the rest of your life. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, yeah that's so definitely... like, um, you know, I've probably got like 17 different courses just for this year, like on the top of my head. And I could just like my, my brain kind of operates like a filing cabinet and be talking to somebody they're like well what about this race and i'm like hold on let me go access that filing cabinet in my brain okay you've got this much elevation and this much vert and your aid station is at mile seven and 19 and nice. it's just like kind of like bubbles out um yep gotta love the, the autistic memory i do and i don't oh no it's great when you can access it um i have this really weird photographic memory yes where i can rem- so like for me i can look at something I can read it. It'll be good. I will remember it. But like, say I'm taking an exam. <laughs> Blocked. I will tell you exactly what page of the book and what paragraph on that page it is in. But I can't read it to tell you what it says to save oh, my life. Oh, no. <laughs> I've never been wrong about what page or what paragraph it's on. That's Just, funny. I don't know what it says. Oh, no. But when you're not taking the exam, you remember what I'm it good. says? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for the most part. Yeah, or okay. at least, like... Or I remember what it says because I don't need to look at it up because I'm okay. not an exam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mine Thank is, God for open book exams, right? No doubt. Yes. Mine is kind of... Mine has an intention component. Um, mm. I can remember just about anything I need to. I just have to tell myself in that moment that I have to remember it. If a piece of information floats by me and I don't intend to remember it, it's gone. So like when I yeah, say, hey, yeah, do you mind totally. doing the dishes tonight? Exactly. That's gone. It's gone. Yep. It's gone. <laughs> but if I'm reading something or I'm looking at something or someone tells me like their name, you know, I have this thing about people's names. Like I get how important I wish it is. I could get names. I can't figure that out. You got to put, you got to put like a thing to it. You know, like they, that's I'm what sure everybody says. It. it hasn't worked for me. Oh, yet. really? Uh. Hmm. What works for me is saying it twice. 
the moment you meet them. So, like, I meet you, and of course, I'm not going to forget the name Jennifer. But, you know, say we we meet in person and you introduce yourself to me. I'm like, Jennifer, it's so nice to meet you, Jennifer. Thank you. And then I make sure that I say your name at least twice in the same, like, you know, 10-second thing, and it's there. Interesting. Malkovich, Malkovich, Malkovich. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. But, yeah, so I I can – I just – that it helps with the – the running and with the coaching, because like I can pull all of these maps and courses and memories of where's an aid station and where's this water crossing or, I mean, yeah, there that's are, fantastic. when it comes to training, I'm like, Oh, I'll just go run this, 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 and this. And they're like, wait, what? And I'm like, Oh, oh sorry. I'll put it on a map for you. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't um, see the like, map too that I saw in my head? Oh. Um, it, it can be, Weak. it's very helpful, but it can also be problematic because, um, I remember all these maps and everything, and I can access them on foot. Don't ask me to drive. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) I need GPS to drive. (laughs) Or I can get you there, but I couldn't give you instructions. Like, if you put me in the passenger seat, I would not be able to get you there. But if I was the one driving, I could totally drive you there by memory. Like, I just might not know the address or the street names or anything else, but I know where I'm going. Yeah. Nice. I'm like that. I can't. People around here, uh, we used to live on the West Coast, and now we live in the East Coast, and now everything over here was like numbers. But they have the names because they used to because it's been around. So there, oh, are, street, it, it was routes. Yeah. It was route numbers at first, and now they're street numbers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, everyone uses the route numbers because they've lived here forever, you know, or their parents mm-hmm. and everybody their whole life. And yeah. oh, just take the four nineteen down to the sheets and turn left. Yeah, I'm like, what? Yeah, when we first moved here, we're like, uh, <laughs> old, just past the old oak tree that used to be, <laughs> you know, you're like, what? I've lived I here mean, 10 years, you know? It's like... <laughs> I grew up on country directions, so, you okay, know, so it's you know. like, turn left at the Y and go past the haystack and get to the barn. Yeah. yeah. Those are the... <laughs> uh, though, like, just, like, translate it to trail, it's like, okay, go until the trail t- takes a Y, take the right, follow it until you find the crooked tree. <laughs> look for the blue diamond three feet past the water crossings here if you cross a bridge you cross the wrong water crossing nice. i find my way in canada you can see real- this mountain up here <laughs> this mountain should be behind you when you turn this way <laughs> <laughs> hey whatever works i guess right? yeah. <laughs> tomato tomato five for five yeah i still need gps i mean we've lived here 10 years and i still need gps sometimes to get some places well well, yeah, well, I drive a lot for a living now, so I've I've figured them I out. I need but. GPS for places that, like, stress me out. Yes. It's so, like going into downtown. Yeah. It's like, I need GPS to go downtown. Not because I don't know where I'm going, but because I get so stressed that I forget. Like, I hate I driving that. downtown. What stresses me is is parking. I need to know where the parking is. Do yeah. you have a parking lot? If not, yeah. where should I be going? And how far is it? Like, it's, I don't know why, but it gives me so much anxiety if I don't know where I should be parking when I go somewhere. Because yeah. you got to know where the fuck you're going. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And that's where you're going. You're not go. You're not driving to the place if you're not actually parking there. Right. You might end up right in it if you get a stressed out too much, you know? So, <laughs> car right through the front. Like, I couldn't figure it out, okay? <laughs> My GPS told me this is where I was going. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so so let's talk about the future of your business. We talked a little bit about, um, you know, uh, growth happening very slowly, right? But mm-hmm. um, Yeah. Um, 
What does it what does it look like? What does the future look like for you? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> okay. That's valid. I, yeah, I I know where I want to go like in the next year. Okay. Okay. Right That's on. about it. Um after that, like there's some opportunities that are kind of like floating right now that I'm kind of trying to look in to see like, do I wanna grab it? Do I wanna do more with it? Do I wanna go check it out? I don't know. Like trying to just kind of Figure some of that out. Does it fit I in want... with the running or something? Yeah. Separate? Um, okay, cool. All of it's some something related to running one way or another. Awesome. Um, and then I also have like my own crazy dreams with running. Um, I want to know what For those myself are. that are personal. Okay. <laughs> um, so I would like to through hike the Colorado Trail, which is approximately 500 miles with my son. Nice. Um, I'd like to do it next year. He turns five next year, so I'd like to finish, like, right around his birthday. Okay. Awesome. Uh, probably finish. We would be finishing a little bit after his birthday. There's no way we'd get it done by his birthday. But that would be, like, that's something I would really like to do. And then um, more more just, like, solo personally is I would like to run the entire Continental Divide Trail from New Mexico to Canada. That's awesome. And that is approximately 3,100 miles. Wow. Wow. Thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you so much. I think that's all. I mean, that's the time we have. But, um, you know, we appreciate talking to you. We appreciate your time. And uh, we're super excited to learn about what a running coach does. Yep. And it was Great. awesome to thank meet you. you. Thank you so much. It was so neat to be on a podcast for my first time. So thank you very much. Right on. Yeah. Well, that was a good time. Thanks yeah. for joining us, everybody. Yeah, it was. We want to do that with you as well. Absolutely. You want to tell us about your job? We'd love to hear it. We might actually uh, have a good time. (laughs) Oh, you'll have a good time. We are cuckoo and weird. Join us at uh, carveresumes.com. Fill out the contact form. Tell us uh, your job and we'll take it from there. Bye now. (laughs) 